Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Hey, Jordan Harbinger here. Subscribe to the only show that will show you how to apply the world's greatest ideas from the most striking minds. After presenting more than a thousand interviews, I couldn't be more compelled to introduce you to the Jordan Harbinger Show. We've got spies and CEOs, athletes and authors from Kobe Bryant to Malcolm Gladwell, Tony Hawk and Howie Mandel to the chairman of Google, founders of LinkedIn and Instagram, antiquities smugglers, con men, brilliant scientists, national heroes, and even the head of the CIA. Listed as Apple's best of 2018 and countless other awards that, let's be honest, you probably don't care about right now. So come and have a listen for yourself and join me as we exploit the superpowers of the world's most incredible thinkers, amazing achievers, and iconic change makers with their insights delivered right into your mind. You'll get that blueprint of their brilliance each week so that you can learn to live what you listen. Subscribe right now to The Jordan Harbinger Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you're listening now. Napa know-how. Get all the quality parts you need at your locally owned Napa. Because right now, when you order from Napa online, you can pick up curbside at your local store in just 30 minutes. Or get your order delivered direct to your door with free one-day shipping and over 160,000 quality parts when you spend $35 or more. Quality parts delivered quickly and safely. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating stores, standard ground shipping and exclusions apply. Hey everyone, John Roca here uh, with a special interview with the director of the latest 30 for 30 documentary that's out now, Chuck and Tito. His name is Micah Brown. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, please. It's my pleasure, dude. I, this, I got a chance to watch this documentary. I came home at 10 o'clock after a long day of work, put this on. I'm like, we'll see how good this is if it keeps my attention. I was enraptured by the documentary. By the time it was done, I wanted even more information on these guys. Went into a deep dive, rewatched their fights uh, oh, yeah. growing uh, that I had watched. You know, getting into the UFC years ago. Uh, so this film is about the uh, the trilogy of fight trilogy of fights between Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz and their relationship, how they went from friends to enemies, and then possibly. We'll see what Mike has to say about the possibly friends at the end. So this must have been some... Were you a UFC or MMA fan when you first were approached with this project? You know, um, well, the the whole thing was I was kind of... I liked the UFC. I liked it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, my, my experience was with MMA pretty much playing the video games, you know? So oh, I'd be, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd be like, yeah, <laughs> I like Chuck Liddell, Superman punch, you know? Right, like, right. And, then, and then when you button mash, you get maybe Tito <laughs> wrestling, you know what I mean? But you don't ever really know how to do that stuff, so... Right. I didn't know a whole lot about it in depth until I started really looking into it. Mm-hmm. And um, the biggest thing for me was I was looking for a story that had to deal with the theme of identity. And I started thinking, oh, who are the fighters that, in my mind, symbolize the UFC? And like, right. who are the fathers of this? And it was Chuck and Tito. Right. So you, so when you, when you were presented, did you come up with this? Or did ESPN come yeah. to you with... Okay, so they yeah. were, they were so like... You got, you got to go pitch... 
you know, okay. and then they look at your resume and they look at your pitch and they go, yeah, your vision kind of doesn't suck, you know. So right, they're like, right. yeah, okay, let's go do this. Well, know, how did so you okay. how did you come to do want to do an MMA documentary for Thirty for Thirty? You know, it, it was a sport that just fascinated me. I okay. think I think in a lot of ways, uh, fighting is the most interesting sport because mm. it's as primal as you can possibly get. You know, you got Certainly. one human versus another. You know, and so you don't get that from even football, violent sport, you know, or anything like that. You get it from fighting. And so that, um, from a filmmaking standpoint, is mm-hmm. always interesting. And then you got guys who are kind of in the twilight of their career. Right. So you have that element to it that I thought was very interesting as well. Yeah, and before you football heads get nuts, this guy used to play football so he can say whether football is a, <laughs> a, a one-on-one violent uh, sport or, or what have you. So, But you look at this, I think what was so great about this film, Mike, and what you captured was the relationship between these guys and, as you said, how they became superstars and, in essence, saved the UFC. Sometimes people forget who made the differences in their sports that allowed these sports to hit the heights that they did. Right. I mean, these guys were the godfathers. Of mm. it. I mean, you had your Ken Shamrock. You had your Hoist Gracie. Certainly you had the, Tank Abbott. Obviously, yeah, those guys are legends. Of, you course, know, they, of course. But these guys took it to a new level, especially upon the you know UFC being purchased by mm-hmm. the Fertitas and you know Dana White being the president and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so... I mean, they really showed that the UFC could create superstars, not just, hey, this guy's a good fighter and he got off his bar stool and he went and fought. These guys were elite athletes, mm-hmm. had big personalities. They had something that was marketable, and they made a super fight. Yeah. When you uh, look at Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz, what was your knowledge of them before you started doing this documentary? Before I started doing the documentary, I really just knew them as fighters. You know, okay. I knew Chuck. You knew the Liz- names. Yeah, I knew the names. I knew right. Chuck, you know, a big right hand, you know, run around, knock people out, entourage, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> right. I knew Tito Ortiz flipping people off and, you know, yeah. wearing the T-shirts and stuff. And so I think that my perception of them was – Chuck, you know, um, you know, B.A., he's mm-hmm. just going to run around and fight anybody anytime. He's probably going to be a really scary guy. Mm-hmm. You know, Tito, he's probably going to be really brash. He's probably going to, you know, flip me off or, like, you know, take me out in an alley somewhere, you know. <laughs> and then you meet those guys, and you're like, man, Chuck is, like, really down to earth. Mm-hmm. He's really humble. He's, uh, you know, he's a guy you'd sit around and have a drink with. You know, and really, same thing with Tito. Tito's a smart guy. He's not, like, dumb, Mm -hmm. you know, and and he's actually, like, very kind. Yeah. You know, and I think that uh, that was surprising to me. It wasn't, like... 50 handlers that you had to go through to work to them. Yeah, with them. it's very interesting coming out of your documentary. I have two very strong thoughts. And that one, you showed a side of Chuck Liddell that not a lot of people right. get to see. Obviously, his interview press conference got emotional, but when he's talking about his dad yeah. and what happened with his dad, and I don't want to ruin too much of the documentary because you all should watch this and enjoy it. But there are moments when he's talking about his dad that you're like, oh, man, like that pain, yeah. you can feel it as a human being on a visceral level. And you left that in the documentary, which I yeah. thought was a, a very great decision on your end. Yeah, you know, it was it was interesting because I think that a lot of people had heard Tito's story. Mm-hmm. You know, Tito is also a lot more uh, vocal. His, his his whole thing is that he has a story and he wants to push that story mm-hmm. and he wants to let people know who he is. He's very transparent. Yes. Chuck is a little bit more, um, not that he is guarded. But Chuck didn't really care about all the hoopla. He just mm-hmm. wanted to go fight. And so when I was talking to Chuck about this film, um, I told him how important it was. And I talked to his wife as well, like, hey, this can be really special if you're able to be real, mm-hmm. which Chuck is the realist. 
you know, yeah. you, you get what you get. But if you're willing to open up and tell stories that maybe you are painful to tell, right? you know, and, and some of that had to do with his childhood beyond just the scope of broken. Right. Now we're going to find out details and nobody had known that before. And you get to see it in this film. Yeah. It's incredible. Cause like these guys couldn't be more different. Ice, literally ice and fire in how they approach fighting. Of course, right. Chuck was called the ice man is his nickname. Uh, but also such similarities in their broken homes where they came from. You know, we, we talk, you talk in the documentary about Tito's uh, parents and he talks about their addiction to heroin and what have you. And you get a little bit of the conversation with the mom. And so you see these guys have more in common than they might uh, initially appear to have. Right. And I really uh, enjoyed how you captured that. When you approached them for this project, what were their separate reactions to you about it? Well, one of the things, this the whole thing kind of came together. My brother-in-law is an anchor and does stuff at sports, um, sports Center. Oh, so wow. He, yeah, so okay. his name's Phil Murphy. Yeah. And he knew Brett Okamoto, who's a um, you know, beat writer, and he's yes. you know, a journalist for MMA. So he knew those guys. Mm -hmm. So I had talked to Brett, and I said, hey, you know, reach out to these guys. They said yes right away. Both of them did. Both of them said yes wow. right away. Both Willing of them were to like, walk back into this story together yeah, again. Yeah, they were like, yeah, absolutely. You know, this okay. will be really great. And so it was an easy sell from that standpoint, which – you know, normally there's like a lot of back and forth, mm -hmm. but I, I mean, it was within five minutes they got a response and they were both in. And um, I think that as I explained the vision of it to um, really honor both mm -hmm. of them mm -hmm. in maybe a different way than had been done before mm -hmm. and um, show the growth and the impact that they had on the sport. They were both on board with that. Yeah, well, there is, this isn't just a two-person documentary. You th Dana yeah. White is in this thing pre very prevalent throughout. Yes. We see a very young skinny Dana White that's almost <laughs> unrecognizable. Right. He looks like a runt. And right. now, of course, he's this big, you know, bald-headed guy yeah. that, you know, has a great presence and energy yeah. uh, in the MMA uh, and UFC. When you, uh, when you were, what was Dana's involvement in this? How did he come along? Did he have hesitation or worries about being involved in this project? I mean, I think, you know, in the very beginning, uh, he did have hesitations about it okay. because, you know, in his mind, they had already told the story, you know, how they wanted to tell it, you know? Mm -hmm. it was, And so it was kind of a project he didn't really understand why the story needed to be told right and i think that as we laid it out and jose morales uh another producer on the film mm -hmm. uh talked to him about it and kind of cast the vision that no this is about how these guys changed the sport you know and it wasn't just about their rivalry it wasn't just about you and tito's mm -hmm. feud because mm -hmm. i think that was probably honestly the biggest hang up sure. was i don't want to you know is, is that well publicized uh feud mm -hmm. um but as they pitched that vision to him he got on board and you know we were able to do an interview with him and you know he was really he was really great mm -hmm. when you have that scene where he you know tito's wearing that shirt that he's wearing that's a I'm, I, I can't imagine what Dana... Like, did you screen this for Dana? Did he watch it? Did he have issues with that scene? Did he ask you to take it out? Like, what was his reaction to it? You know, um, I, I wasn't there when he was watching the film. <laughs> you know, obviously, I'm sure he didn't like reliving some of those right. moments. With, you with captured him really yeah. well, Michael. So. Yeah, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, uh, everybody got the film that... Uh, you know, or the mm -hmm. UFC got a film that they were happy with. Yeah, I, and, I, and I, I'm certainly happy watching this and reliving it. You know, you capture the build-up. People forget the build-up between these guys and what was happening because UFC almost sank from all the congressional pushback that was happening. Because I remember watching the first UFC with my 
fellow Latino cousins in our, our my uncle's uh, living room in Maryland way back in the 90s. And I was like, what is this ridiculousness that we're watching? They paid for it. And I was like, because they were all into that kind of stuff. It wasn't my jam. And I watched it. I said, this is the weirdest thing ever. And you, it does feel like something, like almost like Mr. T back in the 80s doing those bar fights. It's yeah. just glorified bar fights. And it wasn't until they actually honed this thing and people had multiple abilities uh, uh, as fighters that it really kind of launched and Chuck was one of those guys you know you have that moment where where Dana says like we can't pin it all on Tito because Chuck is a better fighter so that must have been uh, something interesting to explore with him as well yeah you know I think what's interesting about the sport and how it's kind of evolved is you know when it first started even with Chuck and Tito Mm -hmm. you know you kind of had these guys who really just had one craft yeah you know, you one had, skill that you they had, did really well. Did they, yeah. did they built around, you sure. know, and, and it, for Tito, it was wrestling. For Chuck, it was obviously striking and yeah. kickboxing, you know. It was kind of his thing. Mm-hmm. And um, they knew jiu-jitsu. They knew all that stuff. But now today, yeah. to see how it's evolved since then, you can't just be good at one thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at John Jones. You know, yeah. John Jones is out there. He's probably could beat up anybody in, in any, you know, style that mm-hmm. he does, you know. And so it's pretty incredible. And these guys definitely paved the way for that. Yeah, Tank Abbott's only in a little bit uh modern day Tank Abbott's only in a yeah. little bit of the documentary, but it was fun to relive him again. Right. Uh, did did you have more with him that you wanted to use, but time constraints? Were yeah, kind of- yeah. We had we had more um, with Tank. We we interviewed Tank for a very very long time. Wow. You know, I think the challenge with any you know documentary is that uh, you know what they say has to fit into you know what you're the direction you're going mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. everything. And so, you know, we would have loved to have Tank's interview in the section about <laughs> Tank. You right, know, it would be right. awesome. But there was just some time restraints and some things that didn't make it work. But mm-hmm. I was like, oh, man, he said this really meaningful bite. You know, we got to get him in here about being a warrior and what how warrior heart defines you. Yeah. And, and it is kind of one of those moments because you see archival of him and he's this big guy. And, mm-hmm. you know, since he's ha- experienced some major health problems. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. So and um, you see he's just, you know, a yeah. lot slimmer than he used to be. Well, listen, fighting it takes it out of you. You know, it's fun when you're in your yeah. prime. But as you get older, you lived the, a pretty uh, yeah. wild lifestyle. I <laughs> yeah, think, as that well, too. too. That so, doesn't you know. help as well as yeah. well. But you look at this. Um, what do, what's surprised you as you were doing the documentary about both Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz's stories? You know, I think with Chuck, you know, I had heard the story of his grandpa, but I never heard the story of his father. Mm. You know, I think that was really uh, powerful. Mm -hmm. I think that was something. Um, And with Tito, I think Tito is misunderstood in a lot of ways because he's extremely introspective. And and he said something that didn't make the film, um, but he said... You know, he had experienced a lot of pain in his life, yeah. and he said, "When you when you experience trauma, um, people say that you're stuck at that age for the rest of your life." And he said, "Am I a 43 year old man who's stuck at 13? Maybe." Right. And I think that that line, even though it didn't make the film, it is the one part that it's like great pained line. me to lose. It just for the sake of like where we were going, it couldn't make it. Yeah. But. Um, what it did was it kind of explained like a lot of the actions that Tito did throughout his life. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of look at it and you're like, who goes and, you know, marries a porn star and who goes and does this? And you're kind of like, well, if I was 13, you know, <laughs> some of these things, you know, who yeah. goes and flips off these people and does this stuff? I'm not saying that, you know, Tito, everything he does. Right, you're not explaining it I'm not explaining it in context. I'm right. just saying that, yeah. like, for him, mm-hmm. when you experience a lot of things, it shapes who you are. Right. And he definitely knows right and wrong. But 
those things mold you, and I think that was really powerful. Yeah, and I think that that really affected me about the movie as well. I speak about Chuck, what I discovered about Chuck, seeing that uh, that uh, side of him that we don't really see, but also with Tito. It is easy to fall into the trap to think that he's just this, like, you know, mouthy, uh, angry guy who, like you said, flipping things off. But he brought the showmanship to the UFC more than any other fighter before and maybe even after. He knew how to grab it and bring it to the next level because he talks about how he actually wanted to be a professional wrestler, not necessarily an actual wrestler. Shoot, he he still could be. Yeah, that's that's a great point. That's a great point. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty fun to see um, how his dream of doing that and how his influences of the Hulk Hogan's mm. and all of that stuff impacted the way that he approached the octagon. And you're right. I mean, there was no Conor McGregor before nope. there was a Tito Ortiz and he showed how value. I mean, boxing has always done it right. You had sure, your Muhammad sure, sure, Ali, sure. you had these guys that would talk trash, help promote a fight, mm-hmm. but he did it in a totally different way. And especially the relationship between Tito and the president. You don't see that. Right. Nobody's right. wearing a shirt that says Don King is my yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like nobody does that. You know, and so uh it is pretty powerful. Yeah, I, but I, I want to get to that the, the thing that I was initially trying to say here and I cut myself off <clears throat> is that I really appreciated how Tito comes off in this documentary. He comes off as a uh very warm, vulnerable guy with an understanding of the mistakes he's made. Maybe not 100% willing to own them fully, but certainly available to have the conversation about yes. them. And I think you present him in such a more well-rounded way than maybe we've seen him in other interviews. Well, that's, that's one of the things that I really strive for is, mm-hmm. you know, you want to tell a balanced story. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes um, that's a big challenge when you have a lot of people that are chiming in on um, different notes and some things. Mm-hmm. I don't know this completely possible to tell a fully balanced story yeah. because just the nature of the business. But what I did want is that I didn't want people just to come away feeling like Tito was everything you thought he was. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. he's actually a really good guy. He actually cares a lot about his kids. That certainly and comes his through. family. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, his cause that he was fighting for wasn't totally ludicrous. Right. You know, it really wasn't. And I think that a lot of times um, people pin people down because what's the most dangerous thing that you can say about a fighter? They're scared. Yeah. And so when you say, I'm not scared, I mean, that is a dangerous thing to be labeled as. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that was something for me that was really important to go, well, let's like really look at that Mm -hmm. and um, help people understand a little bit where Tito was coming from. Yeah, and you break the stigmas too because you talk about with Tito is this flaming guy and all, but then you have this other balance of him being uh, actually a very doting father, cared about his kids, withstood those allegations. True or not, I don't know. I wasn't there. Obviously, I can't speak on that, but... In the end, you know, it seems like he got full possession of the children for a reason. And then right. on the other side with Chuck, you, you see that Chuck wasn't just an Iceman. I mean, he had his emotional outbursts as well. He wanted his respect. You show that footage of him screaming, where's my belt? Where's my belt? And that's yeah. the side of Chuck that not we don't we a lot of people who are watching UFC maybe didn't see too much of. And so that was great to get a chance to see a little more of that with him as well. I mean, I can, the fully thing, the full thing I can tell you, Micah, is you made me fall in love with these guys and you, no. you want that from a documentary. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And, and I think these guys owe it, or they, mm-hmm. they, they deserve it, deserve I should it, say. Yeah, 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 they deserve it, you know, yeah. because they're legends in the sport, and they're good people, and, you know, it, 
the UFC wouldn't be where it is today without them. Right. As a filmmaker, what did you, uh, what obstacles did you overcome or confront as you were doing? What were some of the toughest things that you had to put together? Was it logistics? Was it just resistance? Was it, what, 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 what did you discover? I mean, there's always a ton of obstacles anytime you're making any film, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I think that uh, one of the biggest obstacles is, I, I have a saying, it says there's a movie you write, there's a movie you shoot, there's a movie you edit. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> hopefully, and hopefully the movie that you edit <laughs> it turns out anything that close to what you imagined it to be. Mm-hmm. I think that time ultimately is like the restrainer of everything that you right. have, you know, 90 minutes to tell a story and you're balancing five storylines. For us, we had Chuck's story, Tito's story, Dana's story, UFC story and this third fight story. Yeah. You know, so it was not an easy task. So I think that that um and then you have a deadline. Mm-hmm. You know, that in this case was like moving. Mm-hmm. You know, so right. that that was that was kind of tricky. Um but you know, I feel like uh the best filmmaking teams mm-hmm. can figure it out. And this was definitely a team effort. Mm-hmm. And so I think that uh, if you can make a great story despite, because that's what it always is, yeah. is creativity on cr- command. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can surround yourself with other filmmakers talented like I did. Um, you can make something special, and I think that's what we did. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. How did you get access to all the footage? I mean, we, were you getting Chuck's like stuff when he was first starting out? Like, not even at UFC. Same thing with Tito. You get these old home movies. Is that all uh, available through them? Did you have to go through channels with them to get that stuff? Yeah, a lot of the archival was from them personally. Okay. Like, you know, Tito provided a ton. Some of their trainers had some stuff. Mm-hmm. We had an amazing archivist, Jason Helig who uh, went through and found a ton of stuff. You know, we went on YouTube. I mean, in today's age, people are like, I have a video of Chuck Liddell from wherever. I'm going to put it on YouTube, you know? And right. you're like, hey, you should probably hold on to that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but yeah, we just dug everywhere. I mean, we called everywhere that you could be, and it was like following a, a trail to a treasure. You know, you'd yeah. kind of be like, okay, well, this guy knows this guy, and... You know, when people start talking, they were able to give us a bunch of good stuff. Well, the interesting thing for me is that I saw the third fight. I went to um, the forum or Inglewood, right? It was down the forum. Yeah. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine, my friend Todd, he was like, I've got an extra ticket. Do you want to come? And I'm like, Liddell and Ortiz, how can I resist seeing that in exactly. person, even though they're older? It was a great event. It like, was a great event. There were some person, good fights. It was fun. It was, yeah. like, it was like you walked out and you're like, whoa, whoa wow, this yeah. is crazy, you know? I still have a shirt from that event. I, I bought it to, to commemorate. Fair enough. I should have <laughs> worn mine today to commemorate it. But I remember that fight going the way it went. Uh, but, that's, but the way you presented in the film, it's almost... How can I say this correctly? It's almost like Chuck is giving this to Tito. Like, I'm gonna do this and have this fight and see if i can still do it and beat you but if you do beat me at least you've like that you've closed the circle on that for yourself right Mm. i'm giving you some closure it seems like and that that, that's what seemed to radiate off this fight yeah you know i think that chuck did that fight for a lot of different reasons Mm. you know and so i think that um the and, and Chuck would have to respond to some of those reasons. I, I won't speak for him, but one of the big reasons that you know he did it is he he loves to fight. Yeah, and and yeah, I think he did want to prove to himself that he still could do it, or at least test the waters. Yeah, you know, and I think that you know after losing his job, you know, at the mm-hmm. UFC, he said, hey, you know, what's next? And fighting is what he knows. Yeah, and and that was kind of what he chose to do, and. um you know, he probably wouldn't have done that. He, I know he wouldn't have done that fight if he, if he still, you know, had was having a job. Yeah, yeah, if he yeah, still yeah. had a job. He wouldn't have done that. Fight. Well, you look at this, Micah. Another way they're uh, connected is as much as Tito says, "Oh, I, it's the business, it's the business, it's the business." Yeah, Tito's still doing it. 
He's yeah. got that contract with Combates Americas, and see, he's which our friend Jen sometimes occasionally does the interviews for them as a sideline reporter. Uh, he's still doing it. So as much as he talks about it's a business and blah blah blah, yeah. Chuck fights just to fight. Tito has that within him as well. It, yeah, this this so ingrained within them as human beings, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think what's what's really interesting about Tito is that you know he uh, has a ton of other opportunities. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's a business guy. He he has another job that he does. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got another fight coming up. But these guys, this is who they are. Yeah. I mean, I, until they can't, which I think today you know was the first time that I heard Chuck say, "I'm actually like retired." You know, which is pretty wow. unbelievable. I, I mean, I that was the first time I heard that. Yeah. You know, that he was, like, done, retired. Mm-hmm. Now, we see fighters do this all the time. <laughs> please, you know, Chuck, but, don't. Please. You know, no, I but, love Chuck to pieces, but you don't want to see, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, but he, his Chuck's whole thing is that, like, if I can, I will. Mm-hmm. And he's very smart on that. And I believe wholeheartedly that he thought... Hey, I can come back. He wouldn't have done it, you know. Yeah. He, he was—he's a good fighter, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had a chance to win that fight for sure. Um, you look at this thing also. You—you've—you've you, got some history here with yourself with MMA. You did this uh, film, Prison Fighters: Five Rounds to Freedom. This is about the Thai. Can you tell me a little bit about yeah, this? Yeah, yeah. So it's about a prison in Thailand that allows inmates to fight for their freedom. Okay. And it, it was a crazy film that I did for Showtime. It was my first like big documentary, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, it kind of made me opened my eyes up to the MMA world. You know, I mean, it's a little different because it's, you know, Muay Thai kickboxing yeah. and it's in Thailand, so it's, like, totally different. And the way. stakes are incredibly high. the stakes high. are incredibly high. <laughs> it's, like, the best elevator pitch ever. You're like, hey, I got a story for you. Yeah, you know, but it, it was uh, it was fantastic, and yeah. it really provided me an opportunity to then be able to do this film, mm-hmm. you know, not only with a background in MMA, but also how difficult that film was to make in a foreign language, overseas, dealing with the mob. Yeah. I mean, it was wow. a crazy amount of... Of uh, an adventure. For did, sure. did it kind of like uh, maybe have you avoid some pitfalls going into this documentary? Oh, did it teach yeah. you some things about how to approach this subject yeah. matter? Yeah, I mean, every project you do, you learn a little bit from, mm-hmm. you know, and you learn a little bit from your own experience. You learn a bit from other professionals. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my approach with everything is like, hey, you've never arrived. And, you, you know, you need to figure out how to get better, your own, as good as your next play. Right. You know, and, and that's the way I kind of approach things. And, and with this one, you know, even though they are much different films, yeah, uh, yeah it definitely helped. Did you? Did they have issues? Uh, did you have? Did you show them their old fights? Did you show them the battles with each? Did they have any issues going back down that road? Did they have any reservations about doing that with you? Uh, with Chuck and Tito watching, yeah, with Chuck own, and Tito, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <clears throat> I think nobody likes to watch themselves lose, mm-hmm. but sure. the reality is that they've probably seen those highlights a thousand times. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Tito's probably seen them more than Chuck. Has, <laughs> you know, but right. I, I think that's it's kind of the reality. It's like every fighter's reality is that at some point you all end the same. Mm-hmm. You know, there's very very few fighters that ever end up like on top. Yeah. You know, and so they they understood that um, one of the most powerful moments in the film and uh, was that Chuck, we had him watch the third fight. Yes. And that was pretty powerful because there was some realization, I think, from Chuck in watching it that, mm-hmm. yeah, it's probably it. Yeah. You know? I, I was wondering how you caught that because, like, that's something that's interesting in the documentary is you're getting their responses to what's going on in, in, with their history before they walk into this third fight. Yeah. And so when did you start shooting this documentary? Was it 2018, 2017? Yeah. So what was crazy is, you know, what kind of 
made me be like, oh yeah, we got to do this now. Yeah, and which helps with the network because you're like, hey, we got to shoot tomorrow, green light it. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. um, but it was uh, it, the, when this third fight was announced. So the first shoot was at that press conference. Oh wow! Yeah, and so we were like, okay. we were there. We were shooting the press conference. We actually followed them all the way up to the fight, and it was originally going to be like a. Uh, a hybrid of like historical and then following up to this third fight. Mm -hmm. But through a series of uh, reasons creatively, we were just like, we just need to just end it with this. And so we have a ton of footage that will be released on ESPN plus as little um, special features to the film to be able to see more footage. Um, whenever it comes out on ESPN Plus, oh, I can't wait for that. I have a subscription for that kind of yeah, stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. So it'll be cool. Thirty for thirty is maybe one of the greatest things I've ever, uh, as a sports fan, you ever walk into. There's so many incredible documentaries. Yeah. So, w- what was it like for you to be asked to be a part of this world? Because obviously, you must have known about these, yeah. having done your own sports documentaries independently. Yeah, this must have been an exciting experience for you. I'll tell you, I was working in. Let's see, it was probably 2009. Mm. I was working at the University of Kansas. And um, I cold called John Dahl at ESPN Films, and he answered his phone. It was like one of those moments where like somebody gave me a number, and I'm like, doo, 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 doo. and then he's like, hello. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. so I'm, so I'm talking to John Dahl, who's yeah. running ESPN Films. Right. And I said, hey, John, my name is Micah Brown. Uh, you know, I would like to uh, do one of these thirty for thirties. You know, someday, what do I do? And he was like, well, you know, send me some of your stuff, and I'll take a look at it. He sent it to me. He looked at it and he goes, you know what? You're not doing any stories with real stakes or, you know, uh, story, you know, hard mm-hmm. storytelling. He's like, and I'm like, well, I work for a university and, you know, we kind of got to make positive stories. <laughs> he goes, well, you probably shouldn't work for a university anymore. Damn. And so I was like, all right. That day I went and quit. Wow. I went and quit, started my own production company. You know, and 10 years later, I'm doing a 30 for 30. And, uh, you know, that conversation kind of changed my life. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so you this was to... always a dream for me. Right, to, like, this right. is the pinnacle in, in my business of uh, sports uh-huh. documentaries. So it's, I'm super honored to be able to do it. But HBO's got to be next for you. Yeah, to do a document, you know, right? As you're moving yeah. up the sports documentary yeah, stage. Yeah, yeah right? I mean, you, you've done you know, so many things. So many good people out yeah. there. And, I, you know, I'd be honored to work with any of them. Is there a story that you've got in your head that germinating or a few stories you've got sports-wise that you are interested in doing that you can talk about? You know, I, I think one of the big themes that I like to do, because I mm-hmm. tend to pick themes, you know, with prison fighters, it was forgiveness. For this one, it was identity. I mm-hmm. think that identity is being a former college athlete. It, identity and, like, why people are the way they are, I think has always resonated with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lower-level arena football documentary that uh, hasn't wow. been released yet. Okay. And I would like to do something with, like, semi-pro sports with some guys. Um, I worked on Last Chance U the last yeah. two seasons. Mm-hmm. So something like that where you um, where you can really dig into the grittier world of sports, mm-hmm. I think would be pretty cool. Okay. And so, um, yeah, developing some stuff around that. Uh, I'm going to give a suggestion to you. You can take yes, it or sir. leave it. Do whatever we want to do. Yeah. Soccer is a thing you should explore. I'm just saying. Put it out there in your mind. I just finished watching that Maradona documentary that just dropped. I heard it's sick. Incredible. I've got that director coming in next week to interview as well about that. It's phenomenal. So if you want to find it. gritty stories, I'm just saying, put it out, putting it out there. Listen, Soccer is not a place to sport. Last time I went to a sport that I wasn't really into, I became like a super fan. So right. maybe I'll be out there like, oh, you know, whatever, you know, all the soccer stuff. So you reference this being a super fan. So and are you now now a hardcore MMA guy? You, you know all about Khabib and Connor and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, are you all crazy. into it now? It's crazy. You know, I think, you know, being a football guy, like playing college football, mm-hmm. I think football was like, yeah, football. 
And it, I think what it really was was I like the aggression behind it. Now, after watching hundreds and hundreds of hours of MMA fighting, I'm like, hey, this is pretty sweet and exciting. Yeah. I went to a UFC event. I'm tell you right now, you will never go to a better live entertainment thing ever and then being at one of those events because when somebody gets knocked out the presentation is amazing the crowd is amazing they know how to put on a show Mm -hmm. and you know bring it back to chuck and tito it's kind of started with those type of guys right and you can see why the sport is so profitable for yeah was there any temptation to have more with chuck's wife more conversations with his wife? do you have more of that we have tons more okay okay yeah we have a lot more stuff i think the the challenging thing with our film Mm -hmm. was that we were trying to keep a timeline of like their time in the ufc and so whenever you get into people that are in their life now you know it gets a little tough jumping back and forth Mm -hmm. in the timeline of like where those people fall where they can really comment about different things. Yeah. And so that's kind of ultimately why some of the third fight stuff wasn't able to be sprinkled throughout. Because if you don't know that Chuck got knocked out, how are you going to show him you know, having medical problems right. in the beginning of the film? Mm-hmm. You kind of have the labor of knowledge that a lot of people don't understand this story. Mm-hmm. If you don't know that Dana and Tito have an issue, why do you think that they'd care about some of the stuff later on? Right. So it kind of became a chronological thing that we had to solve. Did you go out to Jenna Jameson at all? Was that a, or a kind of a closed door? No, we didn't. Okay. We didn't go out to her at all. Okay. We, we had some archival interviews of her, mm-hmm. but no, we didn't reach out to her. Okay. And when you were navigating this uh, uh, Dana White, uh, Tito, we got to talk about that. Yeah. That relationship, mm-hmm. how, I mean, that must have been a minefield for you to navigate with both Tito and uh, Dana and I don't know yeah. how much you can talk about it, but yeah, like, yeah, can yeah. you go into what that minefield was like for you as a director? Yeah, I mean it's super hard. I mean, anytime you're balancing perspective, mm. you know, Tito's got his side, Dana's got his side, you know, Chuck has his side, mm-hmm. and so you you try to be as fair as you possibly can about it. And there's a lot of people that chime in on those things between producers, executives, UFC, you know, all these different people chime in, and you just kind of end up being like, all right, well, which one, you mm-hmm. know? And you got to mm-hmm. make choices. And so, um, you know, with with, with Dana and Tito, I think that they're they're always going to say stuff about each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that Dana called Tito, you know, stupid fifteen times mm-hmm. in the film. You know, it's just kind of like the nature of their relationship. And so, I think that it shouldn't shock anybody. It sure, certainly didn't shock Tito, you know. <laughs> and so, um, but at the end of the day, I think what what we came away from was that even Dana acknowledges as a fighter, maybe they're not like friends, Mm -hmm. but as a fighter, Tito Ortiz was valuable to the company and helped change the sport. Yeah, and that comes through certainly when you watch the documentary, but I think Dana comes off a little bit, uh, I don't know, how can I say this correctly? It seems like, Tito did kind of get the best of him at times because they did come to him. They didn't come offer him the more money. And and, and Dana kind of set this in motion by the way he did that 80000 over the 50000 call that he kind of set this idea for Tito in motion that he has to value himself. I think this is an incredible lesson coming out of this documentary as well. Is Tito, for all you want to say about Tito, he values himself in a certain way and people are willing to meet his price point. Yeah, and why shouldn't he? Yeah. You know, I mean, the fighters are fighting. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not their problem, you know, whatever the debt is of a company. Yeah. You know, so they're going to fight and they, you know, they're the entertainment people. And, you know, I think that, you know, in that case at that time, mm-hmm. you know, it was growing a sport. So there was a lot of different things to where, you know, to grow the sport, you kind of have to have partners in it. Yeah. You know, and so everybody kind of got has to make an agreement among each other. Like, hey, we're going to take a little less now so that the sport 
kind of for the future. Yeah. Some people were more willing to do that. Chuck was a little bit more like, yeah, sure, I'll fight for 250000 mm-hmm. You know, Tito was not. You know, I'm not saying that one was right or the other, um, but I think that we can see now um, yeah. you know, it's still going on. You know, were there some stories you wanted to include but couldn't? Could like from Joe Rogan or McCarthy or uh, even Royce Grace? By oh, the way, yeah. great stuff with Royce. Oh my God, it's so great to see. The, that guy yeah. doesn't age. He still oh, looks yeah. like he's like thirty. Right? It's he incredible. Can go out there and fight again. Yeah, yeah. It, they snap his arm and he just won't tap. <laughs> and just, like, just look at you. Whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, of course, in, in a lot of the. Um, Best stories too. We're going to be including on bonus feature stuff. Okay, on so you can't Plus. tease anything. I mean, say, I don't care. Right. I mean, I can tell you a couple. Like, okay. one of the one of the, my favorites was uh, Rashad Evans, and he talked about it the night before he fought Chuck Liddell, and he said he goes into he he was like, oh man, who do I talk to? I'm afraid. Right. And Randy Couture, oh, wow. yeah, and Randy Couture was staying a floor below him. Yeah. And so he said he went down into Randy Couture's room, laid down on the bed. And he said, I'm afraid. And Randy said, Well, man, listen. You just got to make peace with the idea that he might knock you out. And Rashad said, what? <laughs> this is like the worst advice ever. You know, but it ended up helping Rashad, you know, get over that and being able to be like, oh, I'll be fine. I'll wake up. And so there's yeah. some good stories like that that will come out on ESPN+. Plus. I'll, t- I'll tell you a Randy story for me. I worked with uh, his uh, girlfriend, Mindy, on a, uh, on a film, independent film. Okay. This is back. I stopped acting three years ago, but this was like an in- one of the last things I did. And we we're supposed to have this kissing scene in the, in the scene. Well... Unbeknownst to me, it's April 1st. Like, I just didn't even think about it because I'm working on a lot of things. We're in line at lunch getting our food, and she gets a call, and it's Randy. <laughs> and she puts Randy, she, she puts Randy on speaker and wants to talk to him. And he goes, hey, man, I heard you doing this scene with my girlfriend. Don't you get handsy? Don't you get anything? Because I will come in there, and I will pound you into dust. <laughs> and he and, probably would. Yeah, and he would, of course. And I was, like, so scared. I remember my balls liquefying and dripping down my side of my pants, <laughs> and I was just so scared because of Randy Couture. And then when he came, and then he started, like, there was a silence when I said, I'm, of course, Mr. Couture, I wouldn't do anything like that to Mindy. She's incredible. I would never, blah, blah, blah. And there's this silence for, like, a few seconds, and he just starts cackling. And I was yeah, like, that's oh, awesome. Bastard. So when he came on set a few days later, he was really, <laughs> but that guy is monster. Meaty. He's a monster. Mon- Monster are incredible. Yeah, I, so you know he is he is awesome. Yeah, I didn't have a chance to actually to interview him. Brett Okamoto did that okay. interview, but he is man, he is a big dude. Yeah. he doesn't get enough credit for what he did with the sport either. I hope yeah. there's a documentary coming for Randy as well because Randy does, and and Randy he acts. beat both of them. He's know? in the I mean, Expendables. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he beat both of them. That's yeah, a great point, Micah. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, that'll come around hopefully uh, in time. But the the film we're talking about, we should wrap up now. This, thank you so much for for stopping by. Micah. It's called Chuck and Tito. It's coming out 30 for 30 ESPN is October 18th. Is that right? Uh, no, October. Yeah, is that right? October 15th. 15th. October 15th. Sorry, you know, sometimes these glasses don't 90s. work as strongly. October 15th on ESPN, yep. 30 for 30, Chuck and Tito. Any last things you want to say about the documentary? No, I'm just, I'm really proud to be a part of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that it honors both guys and anybody who's a fan of the sport or even not a fan of the sport <laughs> and they just want to see crazy drama, check it out. What's the one lesson, I'll ask you this last question to wrap up. What's the one lesson you took away from this experience that you're going to take into the next one? Is there one real... Sp- you know, I, I think the biggest thing is to not assume anything about anyone, you know, and that anything can be repaired. 
Damn. See, there you go. That's a great lesson for you to take uh, with you today as well. Thank you again to Micah Brown. Yeah, brother. thank great you, sir. Meeting you, man. Yeah, good to meet awesome you, Awesome conversation. Chuck and Tito, watch this thing. Trust me. Even if you're not an MMA fan, if you're a human being fan, it's fantastic <laughs> documentary about these two guys, a broken friendship, and what it led to and the heights that they hit with the UFC. All right, we'll talk to you soon. I'm John Roca. Remember to subscribe to Collider Sports on the YouTube channel and Collider Sports on the podcast channel for more interviews and more content just like this. Thanks to Adam over there in the booth, and we'll talk to you soon. Napa know-how. This month, Napa's got all kinds of motor oil deals that can save you some serious cash. Like a five-quart jug of Napa Full Synthetic Motor Oil for just $16.49. With savings like that, you may start feeling like a VIP. But don't let it go to your head. These oil deals are for everyone. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. General states pricing. Sales prices not include applicable state local taxes or recycling fees. Offer ends 831.20. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.